Hello, Toby here, just to say thank you for downloading this podcast. And to point out there's a reason why these podcasts are free at the point of contact. And that is because various patrons make these podcasts possible and also ensure that I can keep them ad-free. So I'd like to draw your attention to patreon.com forward slash Toby if you would like to join their number. Thank you. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, have to watch a Doctor Who story nominated by a friend of mine and commentate along as I do so, accentuating the positive, but also trying to see if I can guess what my special guest's favourite things about the episode are. Hello, Toby Haydock. Uh, my name's Chris Chapman, and I, what do I, do? I make documentaries for the Doctor Who range for the blu-ray collections at the moment and the dvds before that uh, i'm recording for you some things about a doctor who story called the seeds of doom welcome back everybody uh, this has been a story that is a symphony of root stem leaf and flower but uh, the flower power is about to wilt on the bloom as Seeds of Doom uh, reaches its climax. Now, as mentioned last time, and Chris Chapman, who you heard there, special guest, DVD and Blu-ray producer, director, maker of excellent films, really hardworking, really rigorous, always goes the extra mile in terms of production and in terms of scope and ambition and then occasionally has to uh, scrimp and save when it comes to choice of presenter and use me. Ha <laughs> ha! Um, Chris uh, has already last week sort of said he's, he feels that the Seeds of Doom is slightly running out of steam, and I think this podcast, Happy Times and Places, uh, has had its presenter, me, an avowed Hinchcliffe fan, admit to the fact that despite my feeling that the Hinchcliffe Holmes oeuvre is the consistently best quality and most to my taste of the entire run. Uh, I, I, I do have to admit that um, final installments aren't perhaps this uh, regime's key skill, shall we say. But does that matter? Let us find out and discuss but anyway we've had a great time so far um i uh, we haven't really chosen many of the same things although i did get a point last week for the cottage under siege scene with, that uh, ended with a molotov cocktail so let's hope everyone now gets i don't know stuck in a bungalow uh, and, uh, and 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 makes a pipe bomb uh, <laughs> it'll be the sort of ending i could get to grips with um so let us press play or watch from the beginning or however you're watching the seeds of doom in three two one and so it is the final time that uh it doesn't seem quite the same without a super in the corner super channel ident which is how how i uh how i watch this many 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 times uh and actually these these you know these these aren't a, a massive jump in quality for me you know getting getting uh 
some of these stories having had most of them as bootlegs when i was younger on official releases or whatever you know i was used to a huge leap in quality because some of the things i had were were several generations down but actually my my seeds of doom was always uh, was always in pretty good nick um my, i think my brother also said that there's no way that a soldier would leave his gun there either um so the soldier leaving his gun there and the plants being put you know down carefully as you would do an expensive prop um were the things my brother noticed about this sequence rather than all the absolutely magnificent stuff elsewhere and that makes me very sad um uh, <laughs> it's a funny old outfit sarah's got and she she got sort of culottes on uh and and it's you know it's it's a, it's an extraordinary uh, melange of uh, of of patterns, but it works. She she's she's got Sarah's got Elizabeth Sladen has an actually slightly odd taste in clothes, but it yeah it somehow all sort of works. But I'm not sure. It's quite often many of her outfits. I'm not sure I've seen anybody else wear anywhere in other circumstances. Um, I, I mean again, this is this is a bit, you know, CSOE. But I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty well done, and I think the videotape is helping with that, much as my preference uh, in terms of the texture you get uh, for outside stuff of Doctor Who of this period is for film. But that's. I think that's pretty damn good considering what we could have had and what we're what we're used to in Doctor Who of this period. I I don't think there are many duff production moments in this at all or, or, or performance moments um and the leisure the, the laser is rather casually dispensed here um but i i quite like that the fact that they go yeah we've got this thing and we'll you know we, we're not gonna we're not gonna play it like it's some amazing thing we're unit we've got access to a laser don't work then <laughs> i quite like that and it's again the, the effect is simple but nifty um I don't know what Sergeant Henderson has done to annoy the Doctor, but he's he's, he's going to be very horrible to him. Um, so and but th this this I mean I I as I say I read a lot of uh, Target books um, and and you, you know the the pattern of base under siege was very much what i was used to of doctor and this is pretty much what this story has become we had the cottage under siege and now we've got the the mansion under siege um and I, he's so good at uh close-ups isn't he uh douglas canfield he really trusts his actors but he knows he knows the right angle to give them so that the close-ups are sort of imposing and slightly oppressive and, 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 and you know, in, increase the intensity. Uh, very good. But even the way that Major Beresford went, fire, 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 and and slightly, that the pace of the edit was picked up slightly quicker. So it wasn't fire, same amount of time, fire, same amount of time. It was fire, fire, fire. And it, it, just, just that slightly quickening of the, of the pace of the editing. It's that sort of attention to detail that, uh, you know, means that it, well, it's the pacing. Camfield is very good at pacing and atmosphere uh, in a way that, you know, some directors, you know, have, have multi-camera to capture the action, to, to get it all in, to get all the story out and the exposition out. Camfield's camera brings something extra his his sense of atmosphere and pace bring something extra um 
<laughs> I love Tony Beckley. He is so good. Um, but Douglas Camfield has got to be one. This is his last, isn't it? Oh, my goodness. This is the last Doctor Who that Douglas Camfield does and it's it's when i remember reading you know in doctor who a celebration where it you know it gave the the breakdown of all the stories but it also said who wrote and directed each one and you know douglas camfield's name was on stories you know as early as planet of giants and the time meddler that's a great model as well i mean it does it does oh that's a that's a, that's a pretty impressive tentacle it's got girth hasn't it um and that's the stuff of doctor a tentacle smashing through a window threatening a soldier love it it's like we're under siege you are under siege oh and all this stuff with the with the ceiling being bashed in and the plaster falling um tom you go you go and do that says sergeant henderson has just actually been really brave <laughs> and uh <laughs> and the doctor sort of has decided he doesn't really give a monkeys about this guy but that's a nice moment where he gives scorby the gun and scorby can almost like quite not believe it and then he realizes oh hang on there's there's the worst thing about this story the 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 slightly too light spanner there we go that's the only that's the only thing in the story that doesn't work um uh and it's so no matter how good an actor tony beckley is you can't p pick up a really light polystyrene or whatever it is spanner rubber spanner and make it seem like a metal spanner maybe you can but it wasn't in tony beckley didn't do that class in drama school but that's great this 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 is just a tiny effect slightly slowed down of the of the green stuff smashing against the plaster of what i assume is a model uh and you know and and uh, John Chalice has got his jacket off and his arms, sleeves rolled up and it just feels like everybody's getting a little bit down and a little bit dirty and fraying at the edges. Um, and, and this is great because he's the hard man. And, and John Chalice does this really well. Um, uh, and and as people have said, you know, Scorby is a, a character that undergoes genuine character development, you know, um, uh, uh, and he, he's a fully round, he's so much more than, you know, henchman of the week. He's he's fully rounded. Uh, and I love the fact that the doctor does it. He's pouring his heart out uh, and the doctor doesn't even quite register it. Because this man's this man's tragedy is so small and pathetic, uh, <laughs> and yet he is, you know, and ah, oh, no more than you, Scorby. You know, the, and the doctor's got his got the measure of him, you know, and is not prepared to sort of try and try and make him feel better, even because uh, because he sort of hasn't got the time, and he's not he's not he's not as unpleasant to him as he was to poor old Sergeant Henderson, who's about to get chopped up for compost which i always feel poor sergeant henderson spends his small amount of time in the season doing doing quite brave and useful things to having the doctor dismiss him quite unpleasantly and then uh, you know getting knocked out by a rubber spanner and chopped to bits uh and this is great the the, the fact that that that's that that scorby has kind of lost it but without it undermining the character he's still you know he's still the same guy and it's not that oh he's gone mad uh you know and done a 
you know, done a Salomar or whatever, where it's all just a bit tiresome when, 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 when the commander snaps, as it were, and uh, you know that's that's a bit of a Doctor Who trope. This this is this is a slightly superior version of that, uh, and and the, and again the fact that the Doctor hasn't really got time hasn't got the t- hasn't got the time for it and and they the, all they can do is shut the door behind him um and this is this is perfect doctor and i remember reading this in the book and actually wanting him to get away because for all the horrible things that he'd done he had been their sort of brave kind of mate it's a shame that because this is a wide shot you can't see all the all the plants moving about as you could in the in the close-up shots but but uh uh, some minor you know they cut they can't do that but this i think this is brilliant and and i remember it's it's, it's very tense in the book where he's nearly there and he's nearly there and he's nearly there but that that's a, a sort of sim- that i mean john chalice does a lot of pulling that on him but you can't really tell it does actually feel like the thing has risen up and enveloped itself around him i think that's really effectively done uh and that's the end of scorby who is fantastic uh, character who gets some real moments there and uh yeah makes a run for it and uh, does it in the book it it that 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 piece of water is the sort of last bit between him and sort of freedom and you feel like he's almost made it it's uh and, and he gets pulled under uh but i think that's a i think that's that's not a you know the fact that it, it, it could never be quite the same in the tv version is 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 not a disappointment it uh uh it works. It works. It's very, very well done. And I, I believe John's anecdote was that he had to do it uh, twice because uh, they didn't capture it the first time and it was absolutely freezing. I think that was right and he got some brandy. Uh, I interrupted myself talking about Camfield, didn't I? Douglas Camfield was a name that, you know, that was in you know, that, that, and, and was usually attached to the, you know, the web of fear. Um uh, the Dalek Master Plan, uh, uh, the one Pertwee did, Inferno, um, and then the two Tom Bakers he does, Terror of the Zygons and the Seeds of Doom, which were, you know, they, these they, these were real names to wrestle with. And I remember assuming that he must have died because he didn't, because Douglas was quite, Camfield, like Dennis Spooner, they all seemed like sort of slightly old men names. And then, you know, when I grew up, you know, you discovered Douglas Canfield died at what fifty-two, Dennis Spooner at fifty-five, uh, and they weren't old men at all. Um, S- Sergeant's no longer with us; he's in the garden. It's so creepy. <laughs> um, but 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 Cam- Camfield wasn't dead when I was reading Doctor Who: Celebration. But he then did die the net following year, didn't he? January eighty-four, I think. So. Uh, and I remember reading about it. It was one of the few Do- Doctor Who magazines that I got that said, you know, and I think it did a little thing saying Douglas Camfield had died. Uh, and he, he had a show, I think, was it Missing From Home, that was heavily um, trailed, and it had starred Judy Lowe, and I think that was shown posthumously. But, in you know, we, I sometimes complain these days that, you know, our our, our television purveyors don't get their their dues and uh, it's one of the reasons i try and write the pictures for people where i can but uh camfield didn't get didn't you know there was, there was no sort of voiceover or little plaque or anything at the end um and in fact i found out 
there's lots of great close-up here. And then it's like he punches her in the face. It's horrible. Whatever he does there, they leave it to the imagination. Excellent model. Brilliant work, Richard Conway here. The, the model of the house and the, and the model crinoid is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it, it's quite a leap from the, from, the, from the Keith Ashley, Ronald Goff in a costume, CSO, slightly grown, to that obviously sort of stop motion kind of thing. But I think that's, you know, you, we're used to that. In, in Doctor of this period where, uh, uh, you know, different effects give, you don't, don't necessarily quite marry in the way that you'd want them to know. And in fact, you know, the, the CGI Slitheen and the costume Slitheen are as, as big as a leap, to be honest. Uh, it's suggesting that they never, you know, they, they, I, I think they decided, did they, to not, to not mix their uh, methods of creation after that. Um, but I, I, you know, I think, I think the, I think the effects here, everyone in every department is on top of their game. But yes, Camfield, uh, very young. And, and yes, as I said, but I, I, and I discovered since that quite a few actors uh, that we know and love did, did sort of their final roles were shown after they died. And, and very often, you know, didn't didn't get a mention in the programme or anywhere. And some actors that you'd think would get an obit in the stage, or at least a mention in the stage, Duncan Lamont, Paul Whitson Jones didn't. Uh, John Stratton, I don't think, did. Or if he did, if he got the stage, he didn't get any of the the, the big papers. Um, so I, you know, I sometimes think, I, you know, I'm prone to sort of go. Things were much more respectful in the olden days, uh, and I get annoyed when people get missed off the the BAFTA in memoriams and that sort of thing. But I, I fear, sadly, uh, twas ever thus, uh, and I just romanticise the past because uh, I wasn't there, so it must have been better then. Um, <laughs> uh, stock footage of RAF jet planes. Um, it's funny, isn't it? Sometimes when they, we have stock footage of military stuff, it's always sort of—it's often quite jauntily scored. I, I always, when I you know read military stuff and things, I, I always thought of it as being, you know, quite hard and harsh. But there's something about our, obviously our tradition and the people that score this stuff and shoot this stuff and whatever that that. If you think of uh, the invasion, which is you know got that clanging, oppressive soundtrack, except for the unit theme, which is all do do do. Do do do, and it's sort of like the it, it emphasizes the 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 sort of jamboree like element of a of a of a of a military display rather than the hard as nailsness of actual military action, which I think's an interesting observation that I am not going to build on now. I've just noticed that there's a few there's a bit of celery underneath Elizabeth Slade in there, um, ah, uh, and he's absolutely not going to let Harrison Chase kill Sarah. Uh, now, and again, I think my brother said, why hasn't he got her out first before untying her? So why do people watch things looking for any number of reasons? Uh, but why do people watch things looking for things to criticise? That's another reason I try it, because it's so easy. Because every, every decision you make when you're just staging something has so many things to take into account you know angle filming practicality what the actors can do what you're suggesting to the audience blah, blah, blah. it's it's not as easy as it looks and i think you have to you you have to you you have to go you gain nothing by not trusting the program makers and going these you know these people know what they're doing and i've, I've done things for a reason or done things because they've had to um i th 
I think that's as as much as I think I you know I think I really wanted as a younger person you know to see a bit more of of Chase's demise and you could have really Robert Shawed that you know bit in Jaws where Quint you know gets sort of clamped between the guts and it spits blood out you could have had all of that and and of course the cutting back after the scream uh, to the to the teeth of the thing when there's no blood and gore. The, you know that is a kind of we're doing a kids program here guys we can't we can't show you know what's left behind of, of, of harrison chase um but it's it's as a concept it's pretty gruesome isn't it you know uh and 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 the holding of the hands and and and, and i think isn't it it's, again it's sort of suggested in the in the book that what 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 uh and uh chase is doing there is the doctor's trying to pull him out and and it's not just that Chase can't go out. He's, he's actually trying to pull the doctor in because he's that much of a he's that much of a psycho plant. Um, uh, but anyway, um, the story is resolved by the RAF saying let's turn it into chop suey. But basically, uh, the RAF blowing up the house. So, sort of all the doctor has done is radioed unit and said can you kill this monster please but they do have a moment of sort of intelligence here where you know there's one final um problem that they had to solve have to solve with their intelligence and you know it's through sarah's frustration enunciating their problem and the doctor uh i mean the steam i think would have burnt his hand through his hat there but it doesn't matter um you know you know they have one final moment where they have to use their intelligence a bit um which which you know tries to paper over the cracks of the fact that essentially yeah the the doctor's just phoned someone and said can you end the story for me now please um but do i mind i don't really mind i think not a, you know uh, and, and it's odd because i write and i and you know and i like i like scripts to sort of tie up to you know plant things at the beginning that plant things at the beginning a eh, a eh, um that that pay off at the end see it's that jaunty music i don't why jaunty um uh brilliant model effect anyway and you know yeah some stock footage blows up a model um and it's all suggested by that man in a bowler hat and some soldiers hiding behind a tree um but it's it's uh, you know it's reasonably it's action-packed and it's a great model but um you know, I find it very satisfying when, you know, when there's some, something like, you know, a script that's watertight, like The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, where lots of little things that have been seeded early on get paid off at the end, uh, and, it, and it ties in thematically, but it's also a clever plot. It's hiding there in plain sight, and it makes you go, oh, and all that sort of stuff tying together, a jigsaw piece together and fitting beautifully. And, and sometimes it's a really fascinating, scary, intense exciting journey and at the end everything just gets blown up um and i and and i you know i i do admire doctor who when its scripts do very very clever flourishes but this script has so many funny moments so many tense moments so many good characters uh, that if if that's how it decides to end i can forgive it now i would be less forgiving if if a story did that but but had done nothing on the, less on the journey that was worthwhile, uh, and actually just had less of a, ever, even the way that Tom Baker sits there, 
and, and looks at Sir Colin with that, you know, having been so vicious and un, unkind all the way through, he's, he, you know, he is kind of, he is Earth's friend and our friend and, and he's a charming presence, look. And, and that, that sort of amused idea that he has of uh, inviting Sir Colin with him. I love it. I love it. And the fact that Sir Colin's wife is expecting him home for tea is rather delightful. And, of course, the TARDIS never came here, so this ending makes absolutely no sense. Um, it's a very silly scene, this. Um, but uh, Elizabeth Sladen's I'm really cold acting is excellent. And, and Tom Baker's just magic. Um, so this is this is a slightly let's bung on a Scooby Doo ending or whatever, um, but she looks cold. Um, uh, she probably is actually. Have we been here before? Again, I mean, I'm uh, th this 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 ending might annoy me, but it does, but it doesn't because I love them both. I love them both, and they are so good. Uh, and even though that ending makes no sense because the TARDIS didn't go there, uh, I don't care. Now, is that me being biased? Or do I have a bias towards this era? Well, odd, because it's not its not the era I grew up with. Uh, you know, my earliest memory is, is Invisible Enemy uh, on repeat. My earliest proper memories really are, uh, are bits, of, yeah, bits of season 16, but mostly season 17. So... And the Target novels, I read, you know, I read all different eras. Um, so I don't think it's that. I think it's that when I when I came to the Hinchcliffe Holmes era, um, having read the books, they were the ones that were the least disappointing in key areas, maybe. Is, 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 that sounds terrible, because I love Doctor Who, and I'm saying, but it was largely disappointing. But I've, I've talked about this before, how one's expectation based on reading the Target novels was such. But uh, the, the Hinchcliffe and Holmes era are very... Um, yes, it's muscular storytelling. There's a there's an atmosphere and a seriousness that I like, but that doesn't mean it's dry. You know, it's it's never not funny because Tom Baker is so funny, uh, but everybody else seems to know how to behave around him, uh, and 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 there's no you know, most of the performances. And in that, I mean, in that, there's not a there's not a bad performance. I don't think. In the Seeds of Dune. The direction is superb. Um, so the fact that all of those ingredients are so marvellous. It's like having, I mean, you know, I like a I like a pizza. And that's like having a pizza with all the absolutely best ingredients on it. But it is, it's just a pizza. But I love pizza. <laughs> and would probably want pizza most days if I could have it. So whereas, yes, uh, The Empty Child, The Doctor Dances may be, you know... Uh, uh, oh, you know, a precisely cooked lobster with saffron and, uh, you know, handmade this, that and the other. Um, I, I, like, I like pizza too. <laughs> and this is a really good pizza. A vegetarian, naturally. Um, so what's my favourite thing of episode six... Well, we've had Scorby. I think I would have chosen, you know, Scorby's descent because it's, I think, I think you know, he just ascends beyond, you know, Henchmanville. Um, 
and is and is a really interesting character. And you know, I I lo- I love to salute John Chalice because you know he's a sort of minor national institution because he wasn't the star of Only Fools and Horses, but everybody knew who he was, and and he was a delightful fellow, and 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 actually, you know, really really good at, um, you know, a household name for being a comic character in uh, Only Fools and Horses, and yet proves there, you know, what what a great what great actors some people we know from from only one type of performance you know see them giving another and he actually of course he had that career where he also played you know he started his career playing those sorts of hard men and there's a reason why but i love the fact that we have in existence you know an example you know examples of his of his range that are that that's just much more than we might than than most people who know him as boise would 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 credit him for um I su- well I suppose I mean that model work is is superb too but I suppose well I su- I'm going to cheat slightly I guess I suppose for episode 6 I will choose Douglas Camfield and the reason I can choose that him is one it's his last episode oh god that's heartbreaking um he was approached to do the five doctors wasn't he but he was already well booked up um douglas canfield was a great servant to doctor who uh, i mean he worked on the very first story we've got his voice on the uh, on the pilot you know when uh, jacqueline hill says douglas hello um but yeah it was was pretty much i'd assumed he was dead that's a terrible thing isn't he because everyone seemed so old when i was you know whatever i was 10 11 um and you know and and you know, people have assumed people are dead and not got them for dvd releases when they were older and wiser than than i was later but let's not get into that but um douglas camfield who actually wasn't old and died far too young was a brilliant director of doctor who oh he was so good his action sequences are really ambitious and really good and and you know he we, we know that he loved the military but what that means is that his he was you know fastidious about making all the military aspects of his productions seem plausible and that gives a, a, a very realistic backbone to the fantastical which is essential for Doctor Who um, uh, and and that that really helps then and, and that 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 quest for sort of quite earthy gritty realism where it's needed um helps then offset the fantastical and lets the fantastical sort of speak for itself um it's because it's enough of a contrast to to the reality that goes on elsewhere and his scenes drip he's so good at doing atmosphere which is sort of just about where he points his camera but also it means that the actors and when we do a when we do a when we do Zygons, uh, you know, I'll probably talk a lot about how how John Levine is a different actor um, when Camfield's there, and it's whatever Camfield does is he just he's, he's he's got everybody just taking it that bit more seriously or making it that bit more real, um, but sometimes sort of rather uncompromisingly so. It, you know, it serves the it serves the character and the plot and the atmosphere the way that he gets his actors to behave. Um, and he was such a such a key figure 
in those early years of Doctor Who and the fact that he worked with the first four Doctors and the, the fact that he worked that all of his stories are really well directed. All of his stories are good, actually. Now, isn't that interesting? Because they're all good. They're all, I think all of the Campfield stories are, you know, at a base level, competent productions, watchable, good television. Now you can start to pick holes and say, well, that, you know, that, that story ends, you know, that script runs out of steam or whatever. But, but that's when you, but I think, I think just as presented as pieces of television, as adventures of Doctor Who, he pulls them off and he pulls them off well, every single one. I think they're all, they're all good Doctor Who stories, Camfield Productions. And that's not a coincidence. Now, it may be that they, that they get, you know, he had to pick of the scripts or, you know, they had to lure him with, with with high quality ones but he was doing it early on you know um there's some limp fight scenes in in the time meddler and he obviously learned from that but we'll we'll talk about david anderson when we get to get to to, to the reasons behind that when we do the time meddler but it's still an excellently realized production and some of the um you know the set design and the out the, the external scenes filmed in the studio have a realism and a verisimilitude that uh that other productions of the time don't have and and when we get to Dalek's master plan which is you know relatively early in his directing career he's doing extraordinary extraordinary things um i'm yeah i'm so sad about douglas camfield he was he was he was young uh and it was at a time when television directors certainly of uh, you know um everyday entertainment although he did you know he did go on he did have an illustrious career he did the Ivanhoe and he did yeah the television series he did were high-end but people didn't really talk about television directors um I don't I don't think he got a a notice in any national papers or anything like that and I know I obsess about this sort of stuff and actually doesn't make any difference to you when you're dead and and, and I suppose the fact that we remember him now uh when perhaps some directors of the time who were more fated because they did you know more highbrow stuff aren't remembered quite so well because of the way that Doctor Who endures and because of the way that we talk about it and as I say at the end of the day it doesn't really matter because you know he stopped being Douglas Camfield in January 1984 and everything after that doesn't make any difference to him but uh in my own small way I uh you know I, I find it moving that uh that that we can you know talk about somebody that you know he did do a couple of events, didn't he? But but he was, you know, before before I would have ever had a chance to, you know, I was never going to meet. I shared this earth with for pretty much exactly ten year ten years, yeah, because he died in January eighty four. I was ten in January eighty four. Um. So, but but you know, I'm such an admirer of his, and every time he, I go back to his work, you go, I you know, I cannot believe the stuff that he's pulling off. Under the circumstances that we know Doctor Who had to be pulled off in, so Douglas Camfield is my choice for part six. But of course, he directed all six episodes. Um, but it's his last episode, uh, and I think it's a pretty good one to go out on. And he was excellent. He was a really good director. Um, yeah. Um, and so for for the thing for the whole thing well i i mean i chose mark jones didn't i uh but i've talked about all of the cast i i have to choose the cast i think it's 
I used to play a game with a friend of mine and say, I bet you can't name a Doctor Who story that, that hasn't got... No, he, I, he used to say, I bet you can't choose a Doctor Who story that hasn't got one, you know, slightly subpar performance in it. Uh, and I thought he was quite ungenerous sometimes when I go, well, what, hang on, how about... But I, I look at, I think, with the Seeds of Doom, I can't remember what he chose. I think he, I think he just went, oh, the butler. Uh, and I think he was cheating there, I think, because there's nothing wrong with what the, the butler does. Um, uh, in fact, the butler is absolutely perfect. He is Seymour Green is absolutely pitch perfect as the butler. He 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 plays exactly what he has to play with that. Um, and it's not John Aitchison's fault that he's he's not Nicholas Courtney. I, d I don't think Major Beresford is the, the the most memorable character, but he didn't doesn't do anything wrong. And I think the other performances are all excellent. I, th I think the three guys in the base. Uh, are very good. I think Hubert Reese particularly is really, really good as Stevenson. But they all do a good job uh, there in the in the in 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 the, in the base. Uh, those three men for 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 very short-lived characters who you know fit, feel like they're going to be in the whole thing. Uh, Kenneth Gilbert does so much more with Dunbar than I think could have been done. Mark Jones is absolutely superb and and one of the the best Doctor Who performances of all, considering what the part is which is snivelling factotum who becomes monster he does so much more with that i think tony beckley i could have chosen for any episode that that intense psychotic villainy that he does the fact that it's camp without being stupid the fact that it's mad without being daft uh, and then you know john chalice that i've that, that i've talked about sylvia coleridge wonderful color she just pitches that just right it's a lovely comic character and and uh and michael barrington as, as thackeray who does the who does the stuffy civil servant when he needs to but the quite you know serious figure of authority where it, it needs to happen as well uh it's yeah so i'm going to choose the cast for the whole thing and camfield for six but I could have chosen anything. I could have chosen the lighting. I could have chosen the effects. Roger Murray Leach's design is superb. Um, it's 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 a it's really good. It's really good. And I get that. If you if you yeah if you want to you you can pick flaws, particularly in the in the resolution of the story. But I just think that the rest of the ingredients are so good that you don't that you don't need to. It doesn't matter. The journey is more interesting than the than the, you know than the destination in a way, uh, and you know I think that's happened in other periods of history where it's where it's less forgivable because the the ending makes the endings have made no sense and have just been a bit in one bound there free. That ending makes sense. It's just a bit it's just a bit lazy. <laughs> the doctor phones for a bomb, but um, but that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Um, you know, what would they have done? Got some sort of weed killer that they dispensed in a clever way. Oh, it just doesn't matter. Have the bomb because everything else is so good. Um, and yes, I understand people who feel it's a bit more avengers -y than it is Doctor who -y, But Doctor Who's often at its best when it's not quite the Doctor Who that we expect. You know, Doctor Who that breaks them. Doctor Who is... Sometimes it's the atypical Doctor Who stories, although there's so much of this that is absolutely typical because in terms of the the, the feel of it in the Hinchcliffe era, it, it feels like a high-end Hinchcliffe Who, but also it, script-wise, it does 
yeah it it does feel like there are elements of it from an, another series so it's it's a mixture of the absolutely typical and the and the atypical and that's quite a nice mix but also you know sometimes when doctor who breaks the mold and isn't quite the doctor who you expect it to be is what makes it interesting because it's it's going against the grain of what the rest of the series is doing at that time and you go oh doctor who's being slightly different i quite like that the same but different uh is is kind of what I like. <laughs> uh, what's Chris saying? Can you tell I quite like the Seeds of Doom? I love it. I love it. I could watch it again now, from the beginning, and not chunter all the way through it because it's really good. Chris uh, and episode six. Now, in fairness, episode six of uh, yeah, episode six of Seeds of Doom is not very good yes. now this is <laughs> and maybe i found this even more re-watching it uh, i love the start of the story so much and of course famously the doctor says you know we, we, you know he, he he tries to dissuade scorby uh from u- using guns and so on against the crinoid and and ultimately calls in the air force and and uh and unit sounds uh brigadier uh unit <laughs> bombs the crinoid from the air and it explodes and dies all right that's the end of the story and and it's just not a very good doctor who ending it's it's a real shame that uh i mean you could say you know it's been a brutal story and maybe the doctor needs to use brutal ends uh brutal means to create an end but it's not very satisfying and and it means that the heroes are kind of left slightly impotent you know being attacked by vines inside the house and um you know, I think that there's some good stuff with Scorby. I think we learn a bit more about his mercenary past. There's a few throwaway lines about that. And uh, he does get killed by weeds in a pond, which is a slightly, <laughs> slightly uh, embarrassing end for the poor guy. But it looked, I mean, I mean, and John Chalice commits to that. You know, that look, I'm sure that was filmed on a very cold day. Uh, so they even that, which is a slightly silly fate, they do, they do go for it. Uh, I would say, I mean, I really like the image of the stop motion crinoid uh, above towering above the house. And I almost had this done as a illustration for my wedding. I was going to have the, uh, the posh house, the posh country house we got married in with a crinoid uh, superimposed over it. I didn't quite get around to doing it. Uh, but that image of the crinoid towering above the house really does stay with you and is a lovely image. And the stop motion's great. Uh, I think it's more effective at that scale than it probably is in the middle stage when it's a big Christmas tree. Um, so I would I, I would really go with that. Uh, at the same time, oh yeah, the, the other thing I love in that episode is the final scene, the trip that the Doctor and Sarah make to Cassiopeia. This isn't Cassiopeia uh, in their swimming, well, in Sarah's swimming costume, the Doctor, of course, is in hat and coat and scarf, uh, but the beach ball. And, and I know we get two more episodes of Sarah in season 14 but that that scene uh, on supposed Cassiopeia is kind of my it's kind of the 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 peak of their relationship for me you know it's kind of the the, the lasting image I have of them just having just laughing and enjoying the universe uh is lovely uh but of the two uh I think I'll go with the image of the stop motion model of the image of the crinoid above the ha- towering above the house i think i'll go with that cassiopeia close second uh m- minus points for boring resolution and unit being a bit crap i'm not surprised i mean i don't know i don't know if nick courtney 
I think it was he was unavailable, but I don't know if he made himself unavailable for the story because it would be such a thankless role for the brig to come in for an episode and a half or so and just be the guy on a walkie-talkie calling in the planes. You know, it's, I'm kind of glad he didn't do it in a way. It's a silly story to just bring Unit in at the end like that, and I wish they found another way. Uh, composting was great. You know, Chase getting killed in his own compost machine, that's really nasty. And And again, the story has that ruthlessness there and it feels very real and and everybody commits to it properly but i would say bloody massive crinoid that's probably the thing now i think you've asked me also for a bonus thing for the story hmm. i don't know i've mentioned quite a few of them uh, i think i might pick one that i've mentioned as a second place uh i would say hmm i think because i've not mentioned it you know, I think Robert Banks Stewart, actually, I think Robert Banks Stewart, I think that in particular, not, not necessarily the plotting, uh, which I think you could still tweak, I think the dialogue, so Robert Banks Stewart dialogue, that's my bonus point, I think that he, I think it's some of the best dialogue that a Doctor and Companion have, have, have ever had, and whether that's, you know, the end of everything, even your pension and so on, all that, all that kind of stuff, and, and we've talked about, this is Sarah Jane, She's my best friend. I love Hargreaves with his kind of, oh, if you say so, kind of attitude. Uh, and uh, I could play all day in my green cathedral, just act natural. Uh, oh, yeah, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart had perfect pitch, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think it's beautiful. And I don't care if maybe it was an old Avengers script. I don't care, Doctor Who's always taking things and recycling them, just like compost going into the garden. Uh, so I, I think it's uh, beautifully certainly in terms of the dialogue, beautifully written and maybe the wittiest, outside of City of Death, I think it's probably the wittiest dialogue Doctor Who ever had. Uh, so that would be my bonus point. Robert Baxter's witty dialogue. I hope you enjoyed Seeds of Doom, Toby. Uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you about it. Hopefully see you again soon uh, on a shoot uh, for a film with me and you. That'd be nice. And uh, I hope people... Uh, enjoy watching the Seeds of Doom the next time they watch it because it's bloody brilliant. Bye! Oh, bless him. He's such a nice man, Chris. Uh, he really is uh, a, a very cheerful and benign fellow but dogged you know he, he he works hard and when he's uh when you know when he's when he's got a shoot uh on the go he you know he he pushes for what he wants to get um but in a in a nice in a very nice way but he's uh he's a yeah he's a he's a he's a he's a top fella uh and i'm glad he chose the seeds do i feel a bit bad now for not choosing robert bank stewart because he's right um typical of me to choose the cast but i had to and I did have Robert Banks Stewart lurking there, and I was like, "Yeah, it's a good game. But he's right, it, it, and, and City of Death is is a self consciously quite funny, very funny script. The Seeds of Doom is a dramatic, tense, scary story that has so many funny bits in, none of which take away from the drama. And I think that Chris is absolutely right to pick. And I, I think that Wolfgang of Deus Mozart scene is absolutely brilliant and, and pitched perfectly. And there are so many quotable lines. Uh, and Robert Banks Stewart, you know, like uh, Jeffrey Bergen and Douglas Camfield, uh, uh, you know, is 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 part of that you know two two story um, synthesis of 
styles, which is uh, Terror of the Zygons and Seeds of Doom, which are both excellent. Um, and I think Robert Banks Stewart has a really good ear for Doctor Who. He has a great dynamic between the regulars. His guest characters are all very, very good. But yes, he pushes the drama through, but he never fails to inject scenes with urgency and wit and it is a really funny script and I wish I'd chosen Robert Banks Stewart I had the great pleasure of meeting him uh was it at the it was at the commentary of Terror of the Zygons which I didn't moderate but it was done on the same day as a couple that I did so I made sure that uh, I had a quick chat with Mr uh, Mr Stewart uh because he's a television legend and you know when I was young you know his name was all over the credits of things that, that that were on the telly so it felt like you know there's a this guy that did doctor who who's doing you know big high-end high-end stuff he created bergerac didn't he which was a huge show when i was uh when i was younger uh and um yeah he's a bit of a television legend um i wrote his obit actually for the guardian so i'm pleased i got to do that um uh and yeah he definitely deserves credit because i think it's a superb script uh, it, it, again, it goes beyond what the, it does with the story, which is tell an adventure and have an interesting monster and have a great villain and all of that sort of thing. But every, like every shot of Camfield or every every little piece of staging, uh, does a little bit more than is necessarily required. I think Bank Stewart's dialogue and character moments and bits and bobs just add an extra little bit of something. And I think that's why the synthesis of of him and Camfield is a particularly winning combination especially when you've got the backup of Holmes who I think is simpatico with uh, with Robert Banks Stewart the voice of Robert Banks Stewart and the voice of Robert Holmes seem to me not too different as in, in the way that Chris Boucher also compliments I think well Robert Holmes's writing style and the and, and, and the way that he has characters interact and and the fact that you have this this colorful dialogue that isn't camp uh, these these rich characters that aren't that that are somehow real as well. Um, yeah, I I you know I I wish I'd chosen Robert Banks Stewart, but I also stand by my choice of that uniform cast and the wonderful Douglas Camfield. Um, it's you know, and I haven't even I, I don't think either of us even got anywhere near Jeffrey Bergen, whose music is you know superior it's a superior doctor who score but there's so much and i mean i yeah the 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 the, the crinoid model that uh, chris chose absolutely fair enough richard conway was an excellent special effects guy everybody is on the top of their game with the seeds of doom so yeah any quibbles i would happily push them into the composter and what they would shoot out at the other end is rich and nourishing uh, and just makes my enthusiasm for Doctor Who grow all over again. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I liked it in my salad days when I was green of judgment, and I still like it today. So thanks to Chris. Thanks to you for listening. God bless Robert Banks Stewart and Douglas Camfield and Robert Holmes and Tony Beckley. John Chalice, Mark Jones, Elizabeth Sladen, those TV heroes that are no longer with us, um, but, uh, but, but will be entertaining us for years and years to come. I love the Seeds of Doom. I love doing this podcast if there are people who want to listen to it. And I hope you loved listening to me loving the Seeds of Doom. Thank you and goodbye. 
Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around is Chris Chapman, who can be found on Twitter at ChrisChapman81. I'm grateful to him and, of course, to the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Ruben Herfindahl, Stephen Moffat, Nick Tedston, Neil Tate, Richard Straw, Christopher Meredith, Rob Leonard, Ronald Hayden, Peter Harness, Chris Phone, Peter Burns, Kevin West, Michael Herbert, Dr. Gary Thomas, Olivia Hayden, C.M., Andrew Larson, Jeff Edwards, Steve Cuniff, Jace Mayo, Chris Williams, Aaron Gullias, Andrew Jolly, Ollie Barrett, Keith Adams, Steve O'Brien, David Bickley, and Gareth Bowley. Bowley. Oh, Gareth. I've got it right once, haven't I? Gareth, Gareth, Gareth. Bowley, Bowley, boo. There, you've been mentioned loads of times. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Oh, should I go and do that again? No, Gareth, I'll, I'll check your message. But a, a broken clock never tells the right time twice a day. Uh, a late night, Toby Haydock, get got your name right during one of those ejaculations. Um, anyway, there we go. If you would like to be a patron, where well, one of the gifts is that you get your name mangled. Uh, now, I'm very touchy when people mangle my name, so there's no excuse. So that was all good humoured. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, um, uh, yes, if, if you would like to have your name read, not particularly expertly by me, uh, and the frequency that that happens to you depends. That's one of the that's one of the bonuses on the higher tiers at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. There are many things that you get at the lowest tier. Most things you get at the lowest tier of three pounds per month. You even get 10 percent off that if you uh, if you uh, sign up for a year in advance. But uh, yes, the, one of the many things that you get uh, is to have your name read out. But the higher up the tier sphere you go the more often that happens but other than that most things are available at the lowest tier as i say uh and uh, i understand if you can't commit to a monthly thing but you could go to kofi.com forward slash toby no name reading out there but you do uh get the chance to just sort of donate as much or as little as you like as infrequently or not as you want you just do a one-off at some point because you particularly liked an episode or uh, if i sounded particularly hungry or needy or you'd read about me getting <laughs> having to remortgage my house um but that's kofi.com forward slash toby Haydock. but what you can do that costs you nothing is to give these a five-star review and lots of lovely words of appreciation anywhere that you go online because that stuff really helps to separate these from the crowd and uh, well it just means it's it's worth the time and effort thanks <laughs> You see, part of me wants to go back and re-record those closing titles so they sound more proper and like a proper radio broadcast because I like to pretend that this is done properly. And I, you know, I used to practice reading credits when I was a kid. It was one of my things I'd do for fun. So, you know, I want to do it properly. But this isn't a proper BBC production. This isn't proper radio. I don't have a team. It's just me and with a microphone. So why pretend otherwise? Um, and I hope it wasn't disrespectful of Gareth. I got it wrong then right, I think. But your blame praise tricks with you late at night. And you suddenly go, no, I was right the first time. Ah, so there we go. Um, uh, a, a proper professional job would have been to have uh, 
to have gone back and re-recorded it. But, you know, why, pre why pretend this is anything other than what it is, which is a man and a microphone and a bit of desperation. Now, as this is the story that's all about plants, it's worth picking up on Budlier Gate. Uh, 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 listeners, keen listeners, uh, may have you know hung on every word I was talking about during Silver Nemesis episode two, where I spotted on the site of what is now the Millennium Dome a Budlier growing, and uh, mentioned that I'd got one that had sprouted from my wall and uh, is one of the most successful pieces of propagation unlike arnold keeler i didn't uh, i didn't nurture it at all it just it just sort of worked but you know if you if you have a garden and you've got a plant that prospers you take a certain amount of pride in it but uh, i did get messages so thank you yes i did get messages from people going no you really need to kill that budley it's going to destroy your wall and um i mentioned that to Sherry, which is the worst thing to do because she'd already asked me because we had a taxi driver that once dropped us off and said that will destroy your wall he said walls are really expensive you need to kill the budlier uh, and then because i got messages after silver nemesis that reopened budlier gate um and it is the, the the wall that my my front gate is on so gate is very appropriate um i i have during uh this this summer between silver nemesis and now this this story that is a celebration of uh, well no it's a dire warning of the dangers of rampant plant life so you'll be pleased to know i've killed the budlier i had to chop it down in stages uh, and it produced quite a lot of um quite a lot of wood uh, and then i've i've sort of painted and sprayed the uh, the stump with some killer um that's uh, still on a secret list uh so um harrison chase sadly will not be very pleased with me but uh, those of you that got in touch <laughs> after silver nemesis said get rid of the budlier the budlier has been destroyed um so um that's one in the eye for you plants <laughs> uh but th the rest of the garden is looking absolutely beautiful and the, and the plants that i did actually plant myself and and have, have propagate, propagated are looking all right. We've got some nice lilies popping out, some roses uh, look very pretty, and uh, I grew some scabious from seeds, and they're lovely. I would argue we've got a few too many white flowers in our garden at the moment. Shirley likes a giant daisy, uh, but just looking at the, the way it's all come out, I think next year we need a bit, we need a few different colours to break up the, uh, the sea of white, but that's our problem. Anyway, um, I do enjoy a bit of gardening, actually. I'm quite quite happy tootling in the garden. Um, I can heartily recommend it. It's a great way to zone out and um, feel at one with nature and eventually decide that mankind has, <laughs> has had a go and now it is our turn. Anyway, um, yes, I'm going to go and wash my very green fingers. Um, I really enjoyed doing the Seeds of Doom. I really enjoyed that. I actually got a bit of emotional about Douglas Camfield and Robert Bank Stewart and all those lovely names and Jeffrey Berg and Robert Holmes. Oh, I, but I really did love that, and I really do. And I like Chris Chapman a lot as well. He's been uh, he's been very good to me. Made some uh, some some lovely films that I've been pleased to be a part of. So this is a this is a high watermark for me. I've I really enjoyed doing this episode and this story and uh, it's nice to know that you lot are out there still listening to this stuff so thank you to you and now may you all be eaten by plants ha 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 ha